This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Interesting Pesukah that we have very, very big questions on. Starts off, Eilat told us Yitzchak ben Avram, Avram told us Yitzchak, the children of Yitzchak, son of Avram, Avram gave birth to Yitzchak. So why does it have to, it repeats it, these are the children of um, Yitzchak ben Avram, Avram gave birth to Yitzchak. We know, we know at this point that Avram gave birth to Yitzchak. So okay, the famous Rashi, I'm not, Told us his children, children, told her, a child. Uh, these are the children of Yitzhak. So Rashi says that, um, that they look alike. Um, that Avram and Yitzhak look alike because the Litsane Adar said that uh, Sarah, he may not live with Avram for so many years, she didn't have children. Then one night she's with, with, uh, with power, with Avimelech, and, uh, and all of a sudden, Avimelech, she, right after that, she becomes pregnant. So it must be, that um, the whole thing doesn't, well, I'll tell you why it doesn't make sense. So they started this rumor that um, the child that she was pregnant with wasn't Avram's, it was Avimelech's, because all this time she was with Avram, she didn't have children. All of a sudden, one night she was Avimelech, she was pregnant. So they started this whole rumor that um, that Yitzhak was the child of Avimelech, not of Avram. So Hashem made it that Yitzhak and Avram looked exactly alike. So there was no argument about it. So the big question on this is, that rumor makes no sense because Avram had Yishmael. So we knew Avram could have children. He was saying the whole time that, that he was, that Avram was with Sarah for all this time and he didn't have children. Now all of a sudden Sarah got pregnant. He did have children. He had Yishmael. So what's your rumor about? What's the whole rumor about? It doesn't make any sense what you're saying. Still Hashem had to make that Yitzhak look like Avram because when you, when you start a rumor, right, it doesn't have to be true. People are jealous. Avram was very rich and very famous and people were very jealous. So the whole thing didn't make sense. Sarah was the Akara. Sarah was the one who couldn't have children. Ram had a child, had a child already. So whatever. Anyway, but that's not that's not where I'm going tonight. So like he Yitzhak when Abraham Shara, Yitzhak was forty years old. The is Rivka. When he married Rivka, Bas Besuel, she was the daughter of Besuel, Harami, the crook. He Aram from a very bad town, Padanaram. Achos Lavan, she was the sister of Lavan Harami, the crook. Laila Isha, he took her for a wife. So the question is, why do you have to badmouth Rivka so much? Just say, Vayihi Yitzhak ben Abraham Shani Yitzhak was 40 years old. Bekachta is Rivka, when he married Rivka. Why do you have to say, oh, Rivka? Her father was in Russia, was Besuel. Her bro- her, she came from a town, Panaram, a bunch of crooks. Who was her brother? Another Russia, Lovan Harami. Just say, why do you have to say all these bad things? It's like a terrible resume. Like the worst resume. And the Torah doesn't say bad things about people. So the answer that's given, that most people are given, is that to tell us what a tzaddik is there was. She came from such a bad place. Her father was a Russia. Her brother was a Russia. The, the city was a bunch of Rishayim. And look, she, still was, she was still Rivka. But even if you want to say that, then you could do what you did by, by Noach. We also learned by Noach, Rashi says, that it says that Noach was a tzaddik compared to the Risham in his, in his generation. But it doesn't say that he was a tzaddik in compared, he says, it just says, B'day Reisav. He was a tzaddik in his generation. We learn that his generation was really bad and he was still good. But it's not specific by Noach that he lived with Rishayim. Why is it so specific here? Very big kasha. Not as big as the next kasha. Next kasha is even bigger. Next question. 
Pazik says, Vayeta Yitzchak Hashem, and Yitzchak dive into Hashem, Linoichach Ishtai, opposite his wife. Okay? And who did Hashem listen to? Kiyakarehi, because you couldn't have children. Vayeta Le Hashem, Hashem listened to Yitzchak. Vata Rifka Ishtai, and Rifka became pregnant. First of all, What's Lenoichach Ishtai? That he davened opposite his wife. Says Rashi. This one stood in a corner. Umispalal and davened. And the other one stood in a different corner. Umispalales and she davened. Does anyone in this room care where they were standing? That they were each in a corner? What does this mean? What are you, what is Rashi, what are you trying to tell me? I care if she was in the Ezra's Nashim. He was in shul, she was upstairs, he was downstairs, they're on both sides of the living room. Tyra doesn't waste a word. Neichach means opposite. What were they davening opposite? And the Tyra tells us that the two of them were davening and Hashem did not listen to her. Hashem listened to Yitzchak. Why would you tell me that? Let's say, let's tell a story, let's say a husband and wife didn't have children in Chassel. Fifteen years they didn't have children. So they come to the Rebbe and they say to the Rebbe, listen, we need a bracha, we need to have tacha, we need the Rebbe to help us. We don't have children for so many years. The Rebbe closes his eyes and he goes into his Rocha Kodesh and he says, if you daven on Zeis Hanukkah, the last day of Hanukkah, if you daven and both of you, each one of you says the whole Tehillim, next year at this time Hanukkah, You'll have a baby boy. Haftacha, not a bracha. We promised it to them. So they go home, and it comes this Hanukkah, and she's crying and davening and saying the whole thing. And he's crying and davening and saying the whole thing. And she becomes pregnant, and she gives birth. And they make a bris, and they invite the rabbi, and they're like, thank you so much. Your haftacha came true. And the rebel looks at the lady who had the baby, and he says, I have to tell you something. She goes, yeah, what, what? Hashem did not listen to one word you said. The reason you had this child has nothing to do with you. Your prayer was not answered. But your husband's prayer, ooh, that was chashim. If you ever Wallace, if I told you such a story, if you Wallace, why would he embarrass her like that? He could have said, your prayers were answered. He doesn't have to say whose prayer was answered. She davened also. Why hurt her feelings? But the Torah tells us here that Hashem didn't listen to her. That Hashem only listened to him. But yet, Aloy Hashem, Hashem listened to him. And she became pregnant. So it seems to be that we're insulting her very much here. One, your father's a low life, your brother's a low life, you come from a bunch of low lives. And also, you think your children was accepted? No. No, but yet, Aloy Hashem. So what's really happening here? Beautiful pshat, beautiful dvatayr. There was a disagreement between husband and wife, between Yitzchak and Rivka. Yitzchak said this thing, I'm going to daven for a child. You can daven, you never know what's going to happen. But, if I have a tzaddik, white, pure, amazing. But if I don't have a tzaddik, I want my kid to be a Russia. What does that mean? I want him to be Russia. I want, I want him, I don't want him to live in the gray. I want him to be either white or black. Why did Yitzhak say that? 
because Yitzhak had a brother that was in the black, Yishmael. And in the end, Yishmael, as big as a Russian, he was a big Russia. As big as a Russia as he was, he did tshuva. He had a brother that was bad to the bone. Bad. But in the end, his brother did tshuva. So he felt that I don't want I don't want a kid that thinks he's good, sometimes he's good, sometimes he's bad. Because those kind of kids, they don't do tshuva. They rationalize what they're doing wrong. They make it right. And they're never going to change. Like Saddam. Saddam said, you have to kill a person who helps another person. Because if Hashem wanted that person to have money and food, Hashem would have given it to him. You're interfering and giving him food. You have Yechai Misa. They had a Torah. A Torah in Rishas. They had a Torah in Rishas. If, if someone's sick and you heal them, you have to die. Because Hashem made them sick, who gave you right to heal them. So in their Torah, you chayv misa because you're going against Hashem. It's such a Torah. So yeah, so Abraham Avinu said, if that's really what they believe, I can't help them. Because they're never going to change. They think they're doing good. I don't want that. I don't want Sedaim. I want Yishmael. If I'm not, if I'm not going to get it sadly, give me Yishmael. So he dove into Hashem. I don't want anything gray. Give me a white or a black. Black and white. Rifka said no. And that's why the Torah tells us the Pusik beforehand. Rifka said, I don't agree with you, my husband, Yitzhak. I have a father who's a Russia. Besuel was a Russia. He was the governor of the city. And the reason he had his name Besuel, it says, is because he had a law as the governor that no girl could get married unless she was with him the night before the marriage. So he took away the besula of every girl. That's where he got the name Besuel. It was really bad stuff. And that's why that, that's why it says in last week's parasha that she was a besula and never known to any man, Rashi said, because, because it was his daughter and he didn't do this to his daughter. So she was, it's a chiddish that under Besuel's law, rule that she was a Besula. That's why last week it says that she was a Besula. So, so he was really bad. She said, according to your logic, Yitzchak, he should have done tshuva. He was black. He was bad. He was Yishmael. But Besuel never did tshuva. And I come from a whole town, Padan Aram, of Rishoyim. And they didn't do tshuva. And my brother is loving Arami. And Yitzhak, he didn't do tshuva. If I'm going to get a kid who's bad, I would rather get a kid who's gray, who sometimes is good and sometimes is bad, because maybe that kid will change. Because people who are bad, they never change. This was a machlekes between Yitzchak. Yitzchak had a, had a, had a, had a half-brother, Yishmael, who did tshuva. So he believed, give me good and give me bad. Don't give me any rationalization. And Rivka, that's why the Pusik was went through everything. She said, my, her brother was bad, her father was bad, the town was bad, and nobody changed. That was the reasoning. So that Pusik had to come before the Pusik of her davening. So we have to understand what she was davening for. What does Neichach mean? Neichach means opposite. She was davening opposite Yitzchak. Not where they stood. I mean, Rashi said where they stood, but not, not where they stood. <clears throat> they were davening opposite. She was davening for, give me grayish, and he was davening, no, don't give me grayish. And the Torah tells us, not that Hashem didn't listen to her tefillah, <coughs> that it wasn't, her tefillah wasn't accepted that way. So, 
So we want to know who what, who who did Hashem listen to? Who's right? Gray or black and white? So the Torah tells us by Yetaloi. Sukkim fit so perfectly. Hashem said, I listened to her, I listened to him, I listened to his tefillah. So she says, I don't understand, Hashem, I don't understand. She thought she had one child. She goes past a shul, yeshiva, baby's trying to get out. She goes past an Apple smartphone store, and the other baby's trying to get out. Right? A church, in those days, she goes past a church, and the other baby's trying to get out. Now she thinks it's one baby. She says, I don't understand. Hashem, you said you listened to him. But it seems to me I have a great baby. I have a wishy-washy baby. I don't have a rush. I don't have a tzaddik. He wants to go to shul, but he wants to go to the movies. So she says in the Pasuk, this child was, was fighting within her. In Cain, she said, if that's the case, I don't understand. Why did Hashem listen to me? The Pasuk says Hashem listened to him. I got a kid who Hashem listened to me. He's great. Sometimes he's a tzaddik, sometimes he's a rasha. So what do you, what did you, we, 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 she needed to understand what's going on. Vatelech, it's an interesting lashon what the Chumash says here. Vatelech, she went, Lidrash, it's Hashem. She went to inquire, Lidrash, to inquire from Hashem, to ask, Aruchach, you said you listened to Yitzchak, but it seems to be you listened to me. Because she thought she had one child. Says the Pasik. Hashem La, no, I did not listen to you. You have two children. One's black and one's white. There's no gray here. One is a tzaddik and one is a Russia. Hashem Law, Hashem said to her, you have two nations in your womb. And two regimes, two nations are going to come from you. So now she understood. She said she had one child, that was wishy-washy. Hashem said, no, you have two children. One's a tzaddik, one's a rasha. But it seems to be in the end, who was right, everybody? She was right. Because Esau never did tshuva. So it seems to be, she said, I don't, I don't agree with you. My town, my father never did tshuva. My brother never did tshuva. My town didn't do tshuva, and in the end, Esau didn't do tshuva. But it's brought down in all the pursuit, it's brought down in Chazal that Esau could have done tshuva. And Yaakov hid Dina in a box. The reason that right after that Shechem attacked Dina, and that whole story happened, was because had he let Dina out of the box, Dina would have been Makarov Esau, and Esau would have been one of the four Avos. It was supposed to be, the Gemara said, there was supposed to be four Avos, you know that? Supposed to be Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, Esau. That's why there were four Imos. Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, Alea. Alea was supposed to marry Esau. Esau was supposed to be one of the, and the Gemara says that when Mashiach comes and there's the Seuda Silviosim, the Seuda of Mashiach, there's four chairs for the men. There's four chairs at the head table. Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, Esau. And Esau's gonna come in and say, I want my chair, I want my seat. And Mashiach's not gonna let him sit down because of all the all the Averis and, and Rome and Germany and the Machshimam and, 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 and Yamalek and, so he doesn't get the seat. But really, 
originally original plan, Esav had a bigger head. Esav was a, was a, was more holy in his head than even Yaakov was. He could have been more holy, and that's why his head is buried in the Arzavachpel. He doesn't have a spot where it says Esav's head, because too many people would go probably pray there. Who knows what what happened? We knew where Esav's head was. We don't know where his head is, but it's somewhere in the Arzavachpel. So in the end, he didn't do tshuva, but we see that he could have done tshuva, and he could have talked been greater than Yaakov. It says. So what happened? What happened? Interesting thing about teenagers. You want to hear a Rashi about teenagers? I asked, I asked this week, is there a Rashi in the Torah that talks about teenagers? I don't know about teenagers, Rashi. So listen to this. You can show this to your teachers. It says, there were two children born, Esau and Yaakov. And Yitzhak was 60 years old when they were born. And they grew up. He, Esau, Ishidei inside Isha. There, Esau was a, knew how to talk, very smooth talker, a man of the field. And Yaakov lived in the Oihel, he sat and learned Taira. Says Rashi, what does this mean by Yigdalu Hanarim, they grew up? Okay? Says Rashi. By Yigdalu Hanarim, by you Esav. Kol's man, Shehoyuktanim, as long as Esau and Yaakov were children, you could not tell them apart the way they acted. And people weren't focusing on what's their future. Because they're kids. The minute they became teenagers, they became 13. One went to go learn. And the other one went to Avodah So it seems to be that the trouble began when? When they went into their teenage years. Rashi. Until they were 13, there was no trouble. We hit teenage years. So I had a parent in my house yesterday and she's complaining about a 16-year-old daughter. I'm like, there's a Rashi. And once you get into that, once you pass 13, you, mess, you get messed up. That's what happened. So the eagle in the arm, until that, until that point, all right, Asa was okay, Yitzhak was okay, they were both okay. At that point, 13, that's when each one went, went off the derech. And in Nebuch today, you see kids that are 13 that are off the derech. When I was growing up, there was no such thing. And even in the, like when I was teaching, the last 10 years ago, a girl that went off the derech was usually 15, 16. I have people that come, that come with their kids, they're 12. I'm not going to school no more. I'm not wearing skirts anymore. What? You're 12. You're a little baby. All right, what's going on? Okay, 12 years old, you get Yitzhahara. Let's say Yitzhahara shows up by a girl, but I'm like, 12 years old? 12 years old doing crazy stuff. I have to have, you don't give me an iPhone, I'm done. I'm not coming to school, I'm not coming to eat, I'm not coming to Shabbos table, I'm not keeping Shabbos. I'm like, I'm talking to this girl, she's like, she's 12. That's crazy. What you see from here in Rashi, that Esau and Yaakov split their, their, split their directions when they were very, very young, when he was by mitzvah. He probably asked for a smartphone as by mitzvah Esau. Probably what happened. Okay, uh, I have to put smartphone in every share, so we're not gonna. We're not gonna. There's no Rashi on it. There's no Rashi on it. All right. So what happened? I always wondered what happened. A little controversial what I'm about to say, but that's who I am. So I'm going to say it because it's not controversial. It's in the Torah. It's not con- something can't be controversial. It's in the Torah. And whoever's going to hear what I'm about to say and say, I got to quote Robert Wallstein. It was in those days. That's what it was in those days. 
But these days, a therapist today told me, Wallace, you don't understand, these days it's different, you have to be more liberal. And I'm like, that's Reform Judaism. The Torah is not for those days. Torah is forever. So if you want to start with that business, well, a fire, you have to get, it was hard to make. So those days, you have to make a fire. But today, you just have to flip on a switch. So that's, it's not like that anymore. You should be, so the whole Torah will change. That's Reform Judaism. There's no those days. Those days are these days. Torah, Hashem created the world with the Torah. So it's forever. Whatever is in here is not those days. Things change. Yes, things change. I agree. The Torah doesn't change. Torah doesn't change. And the minute you start changing Torah, then you can pick out Chazer. The reason you're not allowed to eat Chazer is because it had something called tapeworm, which would kill you pretty much. It would go into your... But now they have a chemical on pig, and it kills all the tapeworms. So you should eat Chazer. Now, look, you can't eat Chazer. I don't care if, 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 if they, they chemical and they, whatever they do. It doesn't matter. Chazer is Chazer. Shabbos is Shabbos. Sneez is sneeze. You can't change it. Yeah, on these days, it's different. It's not different. I get this all the time. Why can't I wear pants? Girls' pants. The Torah says that, that, uh, this is very funny, but okay. Um, this has been a crazy week. I don't know, but maybe, I don't know why kids are going off to Derek this week. Maybe it's cold. I don't know what's going on. I don't know. Maybe it's Kislev and it's Hanukkah, everybody. So, so the, this girl, this, not this girl, like a lot of girls, that, the minute, the first, what is the, the first thing they do when they go off to Derek? They're not machal shops. That's not the first thing. The first thing is I want to wear pants. First thing, I want to wear pants. They're crazy. Everybody wants to, every girl wants to wear pants. So I had a whole fight this week because pants, there's pants for girls. It's not really men's pants. It's women's slacks and it's not the same and it's loose. And so if it's loose, it's not as bad as a tight skirt. I got the whole thing. This girl came to me. She was all prepared. She's like, it's a, what are you talking about? Girls wear skirts that are much tighter than pants. And if I wear loose pants, and the pants, if you go to the gap, and the pants are for, on the girl's side, and they're different pants than the men's pants, so it's not really the same, so it's no establishes, it's a, that, that. I'm like, pants is a garment that men wear. Don't start telling me that they made women's pants, and it's loose pants, and, and all this business. I said, I don't understand something. Girls will go off to Derach, the first thing they want to do is wear pants. Guys will go off to Derach, they don't want to wear skirts. <laughs> Like, what's the deal? I know a lot of guys off the derech. Right? Oh, they wear kilts. Okay, that's in Scotland, and I don't think they're very comfortable anyway. But I'm like, where does this come from? It's it's crazy. It's not as crazy what's going on out there. So so the question is, like, what happened with Esav? You know who his parents were? Esav's parents was Yitzchak. He was on the Akeda. And Rivka, look where she came from, and she was such a tzaddikistah. And when she came to the tent... The lights went, the fire went back, and the bread stayed warm, and the Shechina came on. It was like the base Hamigdash. And they had an Esav? How does that happen? So here's the controversial Medrash Rabbah, Pasha Shmos, which I speak about all the time against all the liberal people who feel you should let your kids do whatever they want. Don't criticize. Discipline, though. It's a bad word. Discipline, you know, discipline. You have to say yes to your child, whatever they want. Give them whatever they want. Buy them whatever they want. Help them do Averis. Help them do the wrong thing, because that's this uh, today's generation. And and they don't have to own up for anything. It's your fault, your mother. Every how many parents sat in front of me and cried? I never saw anything. Fathers and mothers crying that they they feel bad. It's their fault. Their kid went off to Derek. Maybe I should have taken him to, to ten hockey games instead of eight hockey games. And maybe we should have bought her two thousand dollars in dresses instead of a thousand dollars in dresses. And every, every parent's beating themselves up. It's like, it's like a new mitzvah in the Ten Commandments. Kabir is bitcha, bitcha. 
instead of instead of honoring your mother and father, you have to honor your children. New thing. Yes, respect. You have to respect your children, and you have to show them respect. And I'm like, and for what? 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 what how do they earn your respect? If they earn your respect, because they're your children, you have to respect them. No, the mitzvah in the Torah says you have to respect your parents. It doesn't say anyway. You have to respect. You have to treat them, your children correctly. You can't abuse them. You can't be dysfunctional and hurt them. But you have to respect them. You have to get up when they walk into the room. Oh, you have to give them your chair? No. It's a new thing now on Shabbos. I don't know if you girls get to see this, but every Shabbos, every time I, I go to a kiddish, the kids are sitting and the parents are standing. In my days growing up, we never sat at a kiddish. You didn't sit in an adult's chair and the adult stands and the kid sits. Today, you go to a kiddish, it's the parents' fault. You go to a kiddish, you, the, the men can't sit, there's nowhere else to sit down. There's a hundred kids sitting there. No, the kids don't sit down before the parents. It's Kavadah's Benchavah's Bitechah. You have to respect your kids. So if you have to stand, and the, and the parents are all standing there, and the kids are all sitting. No. That's not respect. And then we don't understand why they don't have respect. So here's what, here's what the Medrash Ramah and Pastor Shmo says. Um, it's not Rabbi Wallstein. I'll actually read it to you from the Medrash Ramah, and then we'll, we'll, go, back, we'll go into this. So he says the following. In Mishlei, there's a Pasuk. Chayshech Shiftai. The one who withholds the stick. The stick doesn't mean a stick. It means discipline. One who withholds the discipline. Saying a benai, you actually hate your child. If you don't discipline your child, doesn't mean criticize them. Doesn't mean you have to call them a nobody and a nothing and you're, I wish I would have never had you. No, 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 no. That's not chasr That's abuse. That's not what the Medrash is saying. The Medrash is saying, if a kid does something wrong, discipline him. Tell him he did something wrong. So chayshech shiftai, a person who withholds the rod... Saina Benai hates his kids. The Oyhavai, the one who loves his kids, Shikharai Musa gives him discipline. Very hard to understand. Benaya Ga'ilam, the way the world works, Adam if someone would come home and tell you that someone hit your child, you'd kill him. Someone came home and said you hit uh, what's his name in Shul today? He just smacked your kid across the face. You're going to go to Shul and they, they get that guy and you're going to beat him up. So, so how can the Pasuk say one who withholds the rod doesn't love his child? What does that mean? He should hit his kid? To teach us person who withholds his child from discipline in the end, that kid's going to go off to Derech. This is a Medjish Rabbah from thousands of years ago. The person who does not discipline his children, person who doesn't have boundaries, who doesn't give his child boundaries, you should know, that guy is going off to Derech. Visanehu, and in the end, you think your child's going to love you because you're being so nice to him? In the end, he's going to hate you. How do we know this? We see by Yishmael, that he was uh, he was making trouble. He was 15 years old. Some say he was 13 years old. Same same thing. And um, he he made a lot of trouble. The loyri the the and Abraham Avinu loved Yishmael. He did not criticize him as he was growing up as a teenager. and he went off to Derech. Misanehu, and in the end they didn't get along each other, and he threw him out. When he was 15 years old, he threw him out of the house. Why did he throw him out of the house? So, 
Do you ever throw a kid out of the house? Big question. Today's bringing up children. Do you ever throw your child out of the house? So my answer to, to everyone in that is, no, you never throw your child out of the house. But you make rules in your house that can cause your child to throw himself out of the house. What, what, what do I mean? The, the rule in my house is, you have to be here at 11 o'clock. I'm, I'm, not, I'm giving an example. I'm not saying that's the rule in my house. But what's the rule in my house is you have to be here at 11 o'clock. 11 o'clock, Tati's locking all the doors. If you show up at 11.15, I didn't throw you out of the house. You came at 11.15 knowing all the doors are locked. You, it's a consequence, not a punishment. I'm not punishing you. I'm locking the doors at 11 o'clock. They automatically lock. I can't open them for security. For whatever reason, they automatically lock. You showed up at 11.15. They didn't throw me out of the restaurant. If the restaurant closes at 10 and I show up at 11 and, there's, and, I, and the doors are locked and the lights are off and there's no food there, they didn't throw me out. They said, you have to be here at 10 o'clock. We're going to close. So you never throw a child out, but you set up a, you set up a house in such a way that if you don't show up, then you have to go to your friends to sleep tonight. I'm not throwing you out. And even that you don't do unless it's affecting the other kids. So someone asked me if, you, if, you're, if you're, your son comes down to the Shabbos meal and he's wearing earphones and he's smoking an electric cigarette, do you let him sit at the table? What does the crowd feel? Let him sit at the table? Girls, what do you feel? What? Good answer. Go ahead. So, it's not always the same answer. My answer is as follows. If there are other kids in the house, and he's going to, his sitting at the table, Shabbos, with earphones and smoking, going to affect the other children, he cannot be there. He cannot be, he cannot come to the table. You cannot allow him to come to the table. But let's say it's just two parents and they have one son. They only have one child. And this one child, Chatzashalom, is off the derech. And he comes down to the table in his shorts, in his bathing suit, listening to music, smoking a cigarette. You should not throw him out. Because he's not affecting, he's not affecting the parents, he's annoying the parents. But maybe if you love him and you let him come to the table and it's not affecting anyone else, then maybe he'll change. So if, yes, if you have only one child that's like that, then you need to keep him in the house. Now, the Wallace is that psychology did Rabbi Gamaliel tell you that? Like, where do you have this from? Do you have a Rebbe in this? Who gave you this halacha? Medrash Rabbah. I'm going to read it to you. Why was Yishmael thrown out of the house? Not because he was bad, but because he affected Yitzchak. At 15 years old, Hizchil Lahavi Tzalem Hashuk, he began to bring in Avodzara idols Tell him, right? He, he came into the house with his smartphone, 11X. He came into the house with his Selim. And he played with it. And he served it. Like he saw from other people he was taught this. So he brought it into the house. Not because he was serving Avodzara outside the house. No, the major says because he brought the Avodah into the house. Miyad immediately, like Teresa saw, as Ben Hagar Mitzvah, she saw this, and she saw the and she saw what's going on, and she said, listen carefully, this is where I have my answer from. 
And Sarah came to Avram, and Avram, I'm going to read you a story with Avram and Yishmael. Avram loved Yishmael as much as he loved Yitzchak. No different. Sarah came to Avram, and she said, Throw out this Hagar and her son. Why? Why would you throw a kid out of your house? Only one reason you're allowed to throw a kid out of your house. Shema Yilmad Beni My son Yitzhak is learning from him. You have no right, Avraham, as much as you love Yishmael, to allow Yishmael to affect my son. So if there's other children and they're bringing it into the house, you have no right to allow that. Avraham Avinu girls did not agree with Sarah. The only place in the Torah that Avram fought against Sarah publicly. He said, no, you're wrong. Yishmael, I know he's, he's affecting Yitzchak, but I'm going to, I'm the biggest guy in, in, in Baltrubas. I made the whole Choran. I turned the whole Choran around. I'll turn this kid around. So they went to Hashem. Listen to what's going on here. So when she said, throw them out, Shema Yuma Bani Maybe my son's going to learn from him. It was very bad in the eyes of Abraham. You want me to throw out my child? He went against stories. I don't want to throw him out. It was It was terrible. It was heartbreaking. So don't like the liberals say, well, Abraham didn't care about his kid. I love my kid. I'm not throwing my kid out. He didn't love his kid. No. Medrash Rabbah says, Bayera, very bad. It bothered him very much. He loved him very much. It pained him very much that his wife, Sarah, wanted to throw his son Yishmael out. So he went to the best therapist in the world and the biggest rub. It happened to be that this biggest rub is also a great therapist. Who did he go to? He went to Hashem. And he asked Hashem, what do I do? Okay, didn't go to Robert Wallstein, didn't go to Twisted Parenting, didn't go to this rabbi, didn't go to that rabbi, didn't ask anybody. He said, this is big, this is huge. Before you throw a child out of your house, it's a din in, in nefashas in a person's life. Avraham Avinu is not listening to Sarah. Publicly, not listening to Sarah. He's like, I don't, uh, I don't know if you're right. I am going to ask God. So he went. And, And Hashem said, Elohim is din. Not Hashem Yudkei Vavkei, but Yemei Elohim. Hashem went into his chair of din and said to Avram, Ayera Veinecha. Don't make this a bad thing in your eyes. Mikana Talamei Chei Avram Tafel Lusarav Benavias. From here we learn that Avram Avinu was less than Sarah in Avias. By Yashkim Avram Avayker and. Avram got up in the morning and he gave them bread and water and he sent them out. So, he asked the biggest therapist, he asked the biggest, the biggest God, he asked God and God said, she's right. Why is she right? Why was she right? Because you don't have a right to sacrifice a child for another child. Yishmael is off the derech. He's not keeping it outside the house. He's not going to the movies with his friends. She's not taking her skirt, walking out of the house in front of all the kids dressed sneers and then going to the corner and changing into her pants and hanging out with her friends in the park on Shabbos. She's actually bringing her stuff into the house and her music and her jewel and her whatever she's doing and her pants and her short skirts and everything she's bringing into the house. And it's affecting her sisters and her brothers. So And it bothers the parents. I don't, I don't want to have to throw her out of my house. 
and it's very bad in their eyes, like it was for Avraham Avinu, and Hashem says, she can't bring it into the house. She can't destroy all the other children. You don't have a right to sacrifice a child for another child. But Avraham Avinu didn't just throw them out of the house. He gave them water, he gave them food, he gave them whatever they needed, and we're going to see exactly what happens between him and Yishmael. And this whole thing happened, the Medjushraba says, for Avraham never disciplined, never criticized Yishmael. Yitzchak, he killed. He disciplined them. He was all over them. We'll see what he says. Let's go further. This week's parasha. Vayahav Yitzchak is Esav. So why did, Yitzchak, why did Esav go off the derech? Same reason. Hard to understand how Yitzchak could make the same mistake Avraham made when he saw his brother, Yishmael, went off the derech. But he was very small, Yitzchak, when Yishmael went off the derech. He was only two. Shmuel was 15. He was 13 years older. He was only two years old. So he didn't really know what was going on. But, but yeah, Yitzhak is Esav. L'fichok Yitzhak Yitzhak is raw. Esav went off the derech. Why? Al-shaloi riduhu. Like, he, did, he never criticized him. He never, he never disciplined him. He let him just, and we see that on the day that, um, on the day that Avraham Avinu died, he did five of the most, the worst of areas, five of the most cardinal of areas that could ever He was a rush of Arusha, Esau. The Garam, and he, he even wished that his father would die early so that he could kill Yaakov. And then where did he go? He went to go to learn from his uncle Yishmael. And he says, David HaMelech had a son Shalom. And Avshalom wanted to kill, we know Avshalom had very long hair, and he got caught in a tree in the end, he died, but he was trying to kill his father. Why would, why would David HaMelech, such a tzaddik, have such a rush as a son, Avshalom? Why? Because, because David HaMelech did not chastise, did not discipline, did not criticize his son Avshalom. And Avshalom did some really bad stuff after that. So he sees that, and he says, he says, this is a medrash again, for, it's so long ago. He says, the kasha, tabas rova said, vesa shal adam, and mechelas goigu magog. It's harder for parents to have children off the derech than the final war of goigu magog, where every, where half the world dies, and the war of Mashiach. The, the, having a kid off the derech in your house, says the medrash rabba, in Pashashmos, is harder on the parents than the mochama of goigu magog. Had another son that rebelled. His name was Adonio. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't discipline him, and he didn't tell him anything. And therefore, he went off the derech. Okay. So I think you get the point. So this is what he says here about why Asa went off the derech because he was never given any musr. But Yehav, but Yehav, Yitzchak is Esav. He loved him. But loving someone is also disciplining them. Uh, if someone comes to the doctor and he has a broken arm and you want to be nice, so you don't want to put it in a cast because it's uncomfortable to be in a cast for six weeks. And also when they set the bone, it hurts very much when they put the two bones together. And you're a nice doctor. I want it to be okay. I want it to be comfortable. I'm not putting her in a cast. I'm not going to put the bones together because it hurts her. So the rest of her life, she walks around like this. 
Her whole hand is totally twisted and, and grew wrong. So you think you're, you're a nice person? You're, you love that person? You hate that person? If someone does something wrong, you have to, you have to give them, you have to discipline them as a parent. It's because you love them, because you care about them. I have this discussion on this unconditional love thing. So it's very in right now, very in, in the Jewish world also. You have to give your kids unconditional love. You have to get unconditional love. Rebbe, you have to give your students unconditional love. Parents, unconditional love. Nobody tells kids you have to give your... You ever, you ever hear anyone say in psychology, anywhere, you have to give your parents unconditional love? Anyone ever say that? Except in the new book on the Cuban Baby that's coming out. You ever hear a therapist get up and say, you know, you have to give your parents unconditional love. But parents, all the time, you have to give your kids unconditional love. Kids don't have to give anything. They have to do nothing. What, 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 what person told... What, what, who told you, anyone in this room, listen... You gotta give your parents unconditional love, even though that's a mitzvah in the Torah. No, with parents, we have to give unconditional love. What does that mean? Unconditional is the most misinterpreted word in the world. What is unconditional love? Anyone here know what that means? So in our world, it means just give them love, give them love, no matter what they do, give them love. No, that's conditional love. What does that mean? I'm gonna let my kid do whatever they want. I'm gonna buy them the pants. I'm going to buy them the, the piercings. I'm going, to, I'm going to buy them whatever they want so they should be happy. That's not unconditional love. That means it's on a condition. I'm going to be nice to my students. I'm going to be nice to my kids on the condition that they behave or on the condition that they love me. So even though my daughter's off the derech and she wants pants and it kills me that she's wearing pants, I'm going to buy her these pants because I love her. But if she told me up front, Ma, if you buy me those pants, I'm going to hate you as much as I hate you right now. It's not going to make any difference. Am I buying her those pants? For sure not. For sure not. I'm buying you the pants because you want to, you're off the derrick and you want to wear pants and I want you to love me and I want you to talk to me. So I'm buying you the pants on the condition that if I buy you the pants, you're going to love me. But if you tell me up front, you can buy me whatever you want, Ma. I'm going to hate your guts no matter what. I'm going to go spend money now, buy you something to hate me? No way. So that's conditional love. I'm letting you get away with this. I'm letting you do whatever you want. I'm buying you the things that you shouldn't be getting on the condition that you love me. If you don't love me, I'm not buying it for you. You know what unconditional love means? But I'm saying no, because it's not good for you, and I know that you're going to hate me. And you're never going to talk to me for the rest of your life. But I know what I'm doing is the good thing and the right thing for you, so even if I have to lose you and lose your love, I'm not going to sacrifice you. Unconditional love is saying no when it's the right time to say no, and no you're not going to like me for it. Because we all want to be liked. And it's very hard to say no. But if it's not good for you, not good for you. I just had a situation where a girl that wanted to come to my ranch. It's not good for her to be in the ranch. It's, the ranch is not the right right place for her right now. And it's, it, w- it, would, it, would hurt, it would be no good for her at all. And she needs to do some work right now, but not in the ranch. The ranch is not on the right level. She's, she's very anorexic. She collapsed. She was on a feeding tube. And all she wants to do is come to the ranch. I'm not a hospital. I'm, I'm not a hospital. I can't 
have someone go into the bathroom and in the shower and watch you and make sure that you're not throwing up and I can't feed you through a tube and I can't get I can't the, the blood test and the sodium and all this other stuff. I'm not we're not prepared. We're a step down. We're not a hospital. No, but I want to come to your ranch, Rabbi. And I'm like, I know, but it's not good for you. But I want her to like me. So maybe I should just say yes. Come to the ranch, get on the horses, have a good day, and then one day you're dead. So that's, that means I love you, that means I care about you, I'll let you do whatever you want, now you're dead, because you're not eating and you have a heart attack, so, that, so I'm a good guy. No, I'm not a good guy, I'm, I'm doing it because I want, I want you to be like, oh, Rabbi, thank you, you're amazing. Of course I want that. She, she's very angry at me, she probably will never talk to me in her life, because what do you mean I can't come to your ranch? And I'm not going to tell her you're so sick. You can't come to my ranch. I'm not doing that to this girl. I'm just like, it doesn't fit right now. So, so of course I want her to like me. And I want her to think that I'm saving her life. But that's not what's good for her. So unconditional love means no. And, and she's kicking and screaming. And how could you not take me? And, and you're going to kill me. And, and with all that. And I'm like, in my, inside I'm crying. But I'm like, no. I, I, can't, I can't do this. But when you get better and you're out of the hospitalization... And you're, and you're doing very well, and then we just need to keep you eating and watch you and have th- that kind of level of, of, of supervision, then you're welcome to the ranch. But right now, no. It's not good for you. That means you care about someone. And sometimes it hurts, and sometimes that person will never talk to you again. And maybe she'll never talk to me again because I didn't let her into my ranch. So be it. Hate me, but I saved your life. So that's, that's unconditional love. Unconditional love means I'm not doing this on the condition that you like me. I'm doing what's good for you. Of course, you have to see what's good for the person. You have to ask what's good for the person. Sometimes what you think is good for it, you, you can't just be mean and say no, 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 no. But going off the derrick is not good for a person. Now, I'm not going to help you do that. And if you hate me because I don't want you to be Mechal Shabbos, and Mechal Shabbos is Karais, and yes, you're not well, and this and that, you can have all the excuses, but I, I, I want you to go to Gan Eden. I want you to sit with with I don't want you to go anywhere else. And I want you to be healthy physically and mentally and emotionally and spiritually. And, and therefore, I will do everything I can that you should be there so that you say you'll talk to me if I let you do everything that's wrong. You want, you'll talk to me because I let you into the ranch, but, but we don't have what it takes right now for you. I'm, I'm wrong. So unconditional love sometimes is saying no. And people don't realize that. Sometimes, unconditional love means no. But I hate you, Ma. And listen, we do that when they're little. When my kid had fever, and we had to give her that disgusting Augmentin. I don't know if you know. There's one antibiotic called Augmentin. It's white and peasy. It is gross. Even adults can't, can't take it down. But there's for earaches. I think it was for earaches. It's like the best medicine. And we have to, you have to hold your kid down, and there's no way that a kid will swallow that. So you have to lay the kid down, hold the feet down, hold the hands down, and then you have to close your nose that they can't breathe, so they have to swallow it. Disgusting antibiotic augmented. And the kid's looking at you like, I will never talk to you, kiss you, hug you. You are, you are, you are, I read stories about monsters like you, my parents. Monsters, scary monsters. They hold your nose, they hold you down, and then they kill you. Right? And pfft, they spit it all over you, and right? So, so why don't you have Rachmanis? 
Why don't you have pity? Why don't you have unconditional love? Listen, she's, I can't do this to my kid. It tastes disgusting. The answer is, because you know the kid has pneumonia, whatever she has, she needs her antibiotics. So when they're little, you do that. When you're little, you do that. And they may never talk to you again. Well, the answer is that it doesn't matter. My, my daughter has fever. She's very sick. I have to save her life. So she may never talk to me again, but love sometimes is, no, you need to take your medicine. You have to take your medicine. So that's what that's what was missing again. That's not Rabbi Wallenstein. That's what was missing in the bringing up of Ishmael, and the bringing up of Esav, and the bringing up of Shalom, and the bringing up of Adoniyahu. And yeah, you have to be disciplinarian. You, you have to set boundaries. I remember. I don't know if there's any BCA girls in the room, but I rem- this is before. So ten years ago, we opened up. We opened up my high school BCA, and. These were kids that um, were not in school, and they were out till 4 o'clock in the morning and sleeping a whole day. And we opened up this high school, and we said that whoever comes will get you a Regents Diploma. And we had 15 girls the first year. And I sat down with the girls, and they said, okay, first question, uh, what's your rules, Rabbi? What's your rules? I said, I got two rules. That's it. It's a school of no rules. Two rules. That's it. One, in school, you have to wear a uniform which was, I let them design the uniform, okay? I did, the colors and everything, we let them design the uniform. Fine, you have to wear a uniform, slinky skirt, top that covers everything, whatever it is. You, at the minute, they weren't even out the door, they were already out of their uniform, right? They rolled up their skirts. It was a uniform that ended up not being a uniform, but it started off as a uniform, okay? That was number one rule. Number two rule, we, we start school with the latest school in the United States of America, we start school at 10, no school in the world starts at 10. Public school starts at 7. 10 o'clock school starts, 3 o'clock school is over. That's all you got, 5 hours of school. We're not going to kill them. But you have to be here on time. If you show up at 10.05, I'm locking the door at 10 o'clock. You show up at 10.05, you're not getting in. Okay, all right, we accept the rules. We have 15 girls. First day of school, I remember it like today. Downstairs. The Jewish board on Quentin, I'm standing there, okay. It was the opening day of BCA. 10 o'clock, nobody. 10.30, nobody. 11.30, the first girl showed up. Hi, Rabbi Wallerstein. I locked the door. Knock, knock. Let me in, let me in. First day of school, right? I said, 10 o'clock, sorry. I'm standing here for an hour and a half. 10 o'clock, you can't come in. You're not letting me in? You're not letting me in? I'm like, no. If you don't let me in, I'm telling you right now, you know that building on Avenue J in the corner? Avenue J in Coney? I'm like, yeah. I'm going to the roof, and I'm jumping. I said, really? But before I jump, she told me, before I jump, I'm screaming to the street, all the Jews on Avenue J, I'm killing myself because of Rabbi Wallerstein. Now let me in. I'm like, you can jump, and you can say whatever you want, School started at 10 o'clock. Sorry. You come tomorrow, but today you're not committed. An hour la- So she left. An hour later, three girls show up. Right? It's like, they're used to this. Like, no one's telling them what to do. Right, Wallstein, let's go. We're here. Let us in. I'm like, no, school started a long time ago. School started at 10 o'clock. I remember one girl said, she says, really? I'm like, yeah. I'm not going to say what yeshiva she said she's going to go to. She says, you don't let me in? I'm going to this and this yeshiva, 
I'm going to do an Avera with five different boys. And if you don't let me in, all those Averos, and I'm being nice by saying Avera because that's not what she said. She said she was very explicit what she's going to do. And I said, you, you, you shouldn't do such things, but it's not my bad. It's your bad. Anyway, nobody was in school the first day. Second day, same thing. Third day, same thing. Within a week, nobody came late. It's 10 years later. You come on time or you don't get in. And they come on time. You got to have boundaries. Had I not done that, could you show up at 2? Could you show up at 1? So, am I a bad guy? And they cursed me with every word in the book. You're this, you're that. You open this stupid school, screaming and yelling. And I was like, if I really care about them, I want them in school. And I want them in school at 10 o'clock. And I want them to be committed to coming to school. So as much as they're cursing me, and they don't like me, it's like putting the augmented down my kid's throat, and they hate me, and they're cursing me out. But I know that in a week or two or three or four, however long it takes, they're going to come every single day to school. And therefore, it's, if you really care about someone, it's not about them liking you. It's about you taking care of them. And that's the misnomer, the misunderstanding of this generation. This generation thinks that as long as you say yes, by the way, I'm going to answer your question in a second, the, the, the generation believes that freedom is the ability to say yes. That is totally incorrect. Freedom is the ability to say no. Why? Because a slave can never say no. Yes, master. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. If you say no, they chop your head off if you're a slave. A free person has the power to say no. No to drugs, no to whatever it is. A person who's an addict, what's the manashtana between an addict and not an addict? An addict can't say no. Everyone has Bechiro. So a guy who's addicted to alcohol, he's a human, he's not an animal, he's not stupid, he's not that, right? But because he's an addict, and you put the liquor in front of him, he's going to drink it. Because he's a slave, and that's the expression, a slave to your addiction. He's a slave to his addiction, he can't say no. Freedom, the ability to say no. A slave can only say yes. So sometimes, we have to say no. And yeah, your kid may not like you for it. But in the end, and that's what he says, in the end, what does he say, what does he say in Mishlei? That the person who doesn't spare the rod, the one that's going to love you, real love, real unconditional love, real love, is the parent that tells his child Musa with love. And, and before I take your question, there's a very important thing that you need to know because otherwise this whole thing is going to go out of control. Okay, so that's it. I should just discipline my kids and, 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 and be mean and, and criticize. And First of all, maybe we'll have time next week. We'll talk about a subject called positive criticism. It's an oxymoron, positive criticism, but actually it works amazing. It's when you, when you give someone a compliment, you cause them to criticize themselves. In other words, if I have a kid in my class, he's really smart. He's a really smart kid, but he's not learning. So I can say, you know what? You're a loser. You have 155 IQ. 
and you sit all day dreaming and doing nothing. So it, it could be like what they used to write on Robert Wallace's report card in the back. Has amazing potential, but doesn't live up to any of it. That's really nice. Thank you very much. Right? So, but if you, if you call him over and you're like, listen, you asked a question, and I ha- I've had this in my, even teaching girls. You asked a question yesterday in the Gemara. So we learned Gemara, right? So there's something called Tysus and something called Rashi. So Tysus and Rashi, they ask questions. So you're teaching and this kid's not doing well. And he, he, he's listening a little bit, he raises his hand and says, Rebbe, and he asks a question. And it happens to be Tysus's question. Rabbi Akiva Eger's question, right? An unbelievable, it's an unbelievable question. So, so some of my rabbis would say, oh, Tysus asks that. That's it, you're finished. Like, Rebbe asks a question, and the Rebbe's like, oh, yeah, that's in the Tysus. Tysus asks that, like, spy. But then I had a Rebbe in seventh grade who would say, like, oh, <gasps> I'm like, what Rebbe? You just asked a question that Tysus asked. That means that you're on that level that Tysus is on. You're a Kid Eger! Sakaya Wallerstein, you're a Kid Eger! What are you talking about? You just asked Rabbi Kid Eger's question! You're a Kid Eger! You have the head of Rabbi Kid Eger! Well, really? I gotta start learning. So by criticizing me, by, by complimenting me, I go home, I look at them and I'm like, if you're a Kid Eger, you're a loser. Because if you have those brains and you're not learning, so my Rebbe didn't criticize me. My Rebbe complimented me, which caused me to criticize myself. That's the best criticism in the world. That's healthy. I go home, I'm like, I asked, and, and, and I had Rebbe, and we asked Rebbe Kiva, he said, oh yeah, there's Rebbe Kiva Eger, you can look it up, uh, look it up, it's his kasha, and you walk there, uh, I just asked a bomb, crazy Rebbe Kiva Eger question, and my Rebbe's like, Pfft. or in class, and, I, and when I teach teachers, or I talk to teachers, like in class, and a kid, many times a kid asks, a sixth grader, eighth grader, a girl in tenth grade, asks a Rashi question. Oh, that's Rashi's question. Look it up. Or, oh my gosh, Miriam, you have the head of Rashi. What are you talking about? You just asked the question Rashi asked. Wow. Not, so if you have such a head, why are you such an idiot not doing anything in class? You finished. You, you, just, you just broke that child. Just leave them with, oh my God, you just asked a Rashi question. This is amazing. I want you to go home and tell your parents tonight, did you ask Rashi's question? You go home, you're like, oh my gosh, I just asked Rashi's question. And I'm mamish not learning at all. And you work on yourself. It's called positive criticism. So the one thing I want to say before I end, because this is very important. The Rambam says, this, this shir tonight is a very important shir in bringing up children. And people are going to tell me, that's for the old days, did the day where they used to hit kids. No, it's not about hitting kids. It's about discipline. And discipline is not for the old days. The army works the way it works is because the army has discipline. Civil world does not have discipline. The army has discipline. If you want to be, if you want to be victorious in a war, you need to have discipline. Everyone has to have each other's back. There has to be a chain of command. It's not just like do whatever you want. In the army, you can't. They're not going to let you do whatever you want because they want you to love them. It doesn't work that way. There's a, there's a discipline. But the Rambam says, when it comes to chinuch, hug them and hit them. That's the lesson that he uses. It doesn't mean hit them. It means discipline them. In fact, you're not allowed to hit, according to Allah, you're not allowed to hit a child after they're 13 years old or 12 years old as a girl, because then they're, they're, they're chayav and mitzvahs, and if a, a child hits a parent and causes a chabura, a black and blue mark, they're chayav misa bide shemayim. They're chayav to die. 
so the, the Shulchan Aruch says you don't want your child to die. But if you're going to hit him, they're going to hit you back. If they evilly seek them, they do not hit a child. If they're 8 years old and they hit you, or 10 years old and they hit you, or 11 years old and they hit you, so it's a bad thing, but they're not chayimish, because they're not by mitzvah, or bas mitzvah. But after someone is 13, a girl who's 12, if you hit them, and they hit you back, and I've heard such a situation, and chas v'shem, you get a black and blue mark, the parent, chayimisa. So, with naiva, don't put your child in a situation. So, you're definitely not allowed to hit a child after the 12 or 13. You should never really hit a child. There's no, because we hit children because we're out of control, not because they need it. Very different. Famous stories of the big tzaddikim, they would wait a day, and then they would say, you remember what happened yesterday? And they said, give me a henti, and they go, you're getting a patch like this for that. That was the whole thing. But if the kid doesn't, oh yeah, boom, then you lost it. It's not, it's not for the kid, it's for you. And the kid knows that. So we don't, we don't hit children. I'm, I'm not, never ever, I don't think I ever hit my children. And I was already, we're going back many, many years. You don't hit, you don't hit kids. So it doesn't get you. Anyway, only if they cross the street, Right then, you got to give them a slam on their hand or their tuchus so or wherever you have to hit them, because they have to—they're too young to understand. So they have to understand street, patch. So that's the only time to save a kid's life. That sometimes you, you can't talk to a two-year-old. Listen, there's cars. Yeah, okay. It's not going to stop them from going in the street because there's cars. So you got to be like, you ran into the street, whack. So the street whack. I'm not doing it anymore. But that's only until they're three years old. You don't have to do that when they're twelve. So, so this is the important thing. So the Ramam says you have to hug them and kiss, hit, and hit them. Which means that you have no right to criticize a child or discipline a child unless the child knows that you love them. So you gotta put, you gotta invest, you gotta put, my father was a Marine, my father was a tough guy. But, uh, and, and, and I got plenty of pech. And in my days, we all got pech. And Baruch Hashem, my friends are not, um, they're not on medicine, they didn't commit suicide, they don't even have therapists. My generation. No therapy. So, generations change, this and that. The other thing, I don't know, the product that's coming out of this generation is not on the level of the product that came out of my generation. So something's wrong. Something's not working. Definitely something's not working. More drugs, more off the derech, more suicide, more drinking, more depression and anxiety. So this new, new way of treating kids, total failure. What to do, what not to do, I'm not, it's, not, it's not my shirt tonight. But something's not working. You, 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 you're, I'm, I'm a little scientific. I love science. You go and you do an experiment in a laboratory, so then you look at the product. If the product is no good, then you got to change the ingredients. The product that we're producing today is no good. And I don't mean that the children are no good. I mean the anxiety and the depression and the eating disorders and the mental health. You, you want to blame that on, on vaccines? No, I'm sorry. I'm not getting into the whole vaccine story, but if there's physical things and, and autism and all that stuff, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a scientist. I can't answer about that. But vaccines don't cause depression. Nobody ever said that. And they don't cause anxiety. And they don't cause, they don't cause bullying. So we didn't have bullying. There was one bully maybe in my whole, whole elementary school, high school experience. Maybe I knew one bully. Today, forget about it. Cyberbullying, regular bullying. That's what we're talking about. We didn't have all this stuff. So, is it, the, is it the therapy that's wrong? Is it the unconditional love that's wrong? Is it the lack of discipline? I don't know what's wrong. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. You, you can't get a therapist today. They're all booked. You can't, you can't get into a rehab today. They're all full. Something's wrong. Something's not right. Something's not working. But, and one of the problem, main problems is that we don't have time to give our kids. And if you don't have time to give your kids... That's, that's the nurturing. There's no nurturing. Where everyone's busy, three jobs, four jobs, or they're only one job or no job, but they have that phone, 
and they don't give their kids time. There's no question. There was no such thing in my day as not eating breakfast and supper at the, at the, at the table with your family. There's nothing like that anymore. Warm with the pizza, pick up the food on the way home. Who, who, who has a family, except for Shabbos, who has every single night sitting down, your mother, your father, your brothers, your sisters, all at a table to eat. And then breakfast before you go to school, right? All at the table to eat. We, definitely, I happen to have gone to Dab with my father in the morning, so I ate breakfast with him every morning, with my mother and my father. Every morning of my growing up, I sat at a table with my parents. But supper, for sure. There's no Shiloh. Supper, for sure. doesn't exist today. You're lucky if your kids come to the Shabbos table. So you, your kid has to know that you love them. <coughs> If, if, if there's someone in this room, a, a Tamida of mine, that's my student for a long time, she knows her Wallenstein, will get up in the middle of the night for me, whatever it is, and I, and I criticize her, she knows it's not about me trying to get something off my chest. It means I care about her, and I'm telling it to her for her good. But if I don't have a relationship with her, then I don't have a right to discipline her. So the Rambam says you can't hit them, discipline them, Unless you hug them. It didn't say hit them and hug them. Because that's normally, if you hit them, they're crying, hug them. But the Ram doesn't say that. It says hug them and then hit them. It doesn't mean hit them, it means discipline them. So the parent, this whole shir tonight, all that I said tonight has to come from a parent who put time and love and effort into their children. Then you have a right to tell me what I did wrong. Because if you don't do that, then you just want to hear, and I hear this from kids all the time. My parents just want to hear themselves. They don't want me to hear them. They want to hear themselves. They want to get it off their chest. No good. You have to put the time in. The person has to know you care about them. And if they know you care about them, then you can discipline them. But otherwise, I get calls from places all the time. Rabbi Lawson, can you come to our high school and give a, a speech on sneers? I'm like, are you crazy? First of all, I'm a guy. I'm not giving no share on sneers. And second of all, I don't know these girls. Just show up and say, the shkud has to be long. You can, who are you? Austin, who are you? You don't know my struggles. You're not a girl. You don't understand a sneer struggle. I don't have a sneer struggle. I'm a guy. I don't have that struggle. You want me to come and talk about it? I, I, I don't have nothing to do with them. I can't, you can't just walk in and we're having a bully problem. Come and talk to school about bullying. I'm like, do I know the girls? Do they know me? Is it coming from a place of care? Like, who does he think he is? Right? So if you have the relationship, and you have the hug, then you can give the discipline. And according to the Medrash Rabbah and Pasha Shmos, everyone can look it up. The first Medrash Rabbah, the reason Yitzchak grew up to be a tzaddik and willing to go in the arcade and everything was because Avraham Avinu was very hard on him and gave him a lot of discipline. And that this week's Pasha, it says, and I just want to tell you one more thing, in this week's Pasha, it says that, that, that he loved, that Yaakov Avinu Right, also got very much disciplined that his father learnt with him, got very, very much disciplined by his father. And yes, Yitzchak was very tough on Yaakov. And that's why Yaakov didn't go off the Derech. Now, I just want to tell you one thing that's a very big question, and I'll let you go, but it's such a beautiful terrace. I said it last night at the end of my shir. I always had a problem as a kid with Yaakov lying to, to Yitzchak when he said, I'm Ish of your Bechor. How can you say that? Yaakov was Ish MS. He said to his father, you know who I am? I am Esau, your Bechor. So there's a Teretz, which is a Teretz, but I never really, you, I will tell you the Teretz, you'll see why. He says the following. 
He comes into the room. He says, Mi atabini, Pasuk Yutes, Pasuk Yutes, Yutes, we want to look it up, in Perech of Zion. Who are you? Right? Because he sent him out to get the food and he was back in a minute. He says, Mi atabini, who are you? Vayomi Yaakov Aviv, Anoichi, Esav Becherecha. I am Esav Yubachar. So, the teretz that was given to me as a child and the main teretz, the answer that's given is Anoichi, I am me, Esav Becherecha, Esav Yubachar. That's the teretz that's given. So he didn't lie. He said, who are you? Anoichi, Esav Becherecha. I'm me and Esav Yubachar. But nah, it's a teretz. I can't say that's not a teretz. But I never really ate that up too much. But that's that's the answer that's given. That's how he, he didn't lie. I heard amazing terrorists this week. Why was Esav's name Esav? He was red. He was red. So he was called Edom. Right? Also he said, Halitani mina Adama Adama give me from these red lentils. So that's why his nation, his nation is called Edom. But why is Esav's name Esav? Where does that come from? Some hairy. Or because Yaakov sat, this is such an important thing, especially for girls who want to marry cuddle boys. Anyone in here want to marry a cuddle boy? Yes, all the hands are up. Torah anytime you see, they're all up. Okay. So everyone wants to marry a cuddle boy. So Yitzchak said, Esav is a doer. He's a doer. He goes to the field, he goes hunting. He goes out, he comes in, he's a, he's a ishada, he's a doer. Esav comes to the word asay, do. Esav comes to the word asay. The shayrish is asay, to do. So he was like, I have one son who's a doer. The other guy is a bench fetcher. Yeshev Eilin, he sits in a tent all day and he learns. I got a doer and a, a sitter. Yaakov Levinu said to his father, you don't, you don't know what Asa, who Asa really is. He tricks you. He says, Anoichi, I, who are you? He said, I'll tell you who I am. Father, Anoichi, Asa Bechorecha. I'm the doer. I'm your Bechor. He bought the Bechor. I'm your Bechor. Yes, he said, I am a guy who sits all day and learns. That's the doer. Not the guy that goes into the field and lies to you and makes up stories and goes to, and, 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 and is busy hunting all the time. No, anoichi eisav b'charecha. I am the doer. I am your b'char. The guy who sits and learns, the koil guy who keeps the world going, he's the doer. Don't look at those guys as, oh, they don't work. They don't do. First of all, try to sit and learn a whole day. It's much harder than working. Much harder than working. I can tell you that. To sit and learn all day is much harder than working. Anoichi eisav b'charecha. I'm the doer. I am your b'char. We should all have the schus to have families, and to have unconditional love, and to have all our children b'derech Hashem at sefer kol adayres till till Mashiach comes. And here we remain, remain. Thank you. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.